So we now arrive at the very end of the first epistle of John. Again, to remind you that one of the main reasons for this letter was to encourage a church that was hurt and was damaged by a false gospel, a false Jesus. Therefore, John had written to remind the church about who the real Jesus is. John dealt with the the doctrine of Christ. He spoke about fellowship with Christ and fellowship with one another. John showed that love, more precisely, a love for Jesus and one another, is a mark of a true believer. It is the love that comes from God, a God who is love. And this love is rooted in our faith. John also reminded the church that eternal life is only found in Christ. And in Christ, a Christian has access to the Father through prayer. And then we come to these last few verses now. And in these verses, John reminds the church and us today, who are genuine believers, he reminds us that our assurance of salvation is revealed to us by our knowledge of Christ. And as a result of this, by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, we are able to know and to understand how the Lord desires us to live. So in these few verses, we're going to look at the following. We're going to look at how believers know that Christ has had an effect on their lives. We'll see that the whole world lies in wickedness. We'll see how Jesus is revealed to us and how Jesus keeps us from idols. So our first point this evening, believers know the effect Jesus has had on their lives. Verse 18, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. So in this verse, we see that Christ brings a person to spiritual life, meaning that they are born of God, that they are born again. They have a second birth. They are born again. In this second birth, a Christian is no longer in a bondage to sin. A Christian will know and believe this. A believer knows that this is one of the things that Christ has Uh, the effect that Christ has had on our lives. So Christian, you have been blessed with the most vital knowledge revealed to man. You know the Saviour. You've been born again. You know Jesus Christ. And again, to remind you what I mean by know, you believe and trust Jesus Christ. You believe in him. You accept what is written of him. And as a reminder of what was stated earlier uh, in the service, to know Jesus is not just to know facts, is it? It's to know him intimately, to understand, believe and accept and trust in all that he is, all what he said and all that he did. A person can know Jesus in the sense that they can believe, maybe believe what was written in the scriptures and and even accept them as true. Yet they do not trust in him and call on his name and repent of their sins and forsake the world. Then all this knowledge is worthless. Something must 
have to happen to them. For they are not born of God. So what must a person do then if they are to be born again? Is it in our own power to do so? What must we do to be released from the bondage of sin? To have these chains taken from us? Well, there is nothing that we can do. For everyone is born in trespasses and sin. We are all alienated from God by nature, hating him and living in wickedness. So how is someone born again? We must trust in Christ to be born born again. We must leave a state of spiritual death. We must be regenerated. But we cannot do this ourselves. We have the same chance of being regenerated, being born again and trusting in Christ in our own strength as, as much as a dead man can bring himself to life, can resuscitate himself and come back to life. There is no chance of us doing this in our own, in our own strength. For, so, for somebody to be born again, to be regenerated, it's by the grace of God. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. And when that work is done, they will have an understanding of their spiritual state. They will know that they have a need of salvation. To quote Ephesians 1.17, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So a person who is saved has had their eyes opened, their hearts changed. They are now able to understand the things of God. They know that they have broken the laws of God. They understand that they are heading towards eternal punishment in hell, under the wrath of God. (coughs) Their eyes have been opened to the bitterness of the law. The bitterness that is righteous and good, but it's bitter to them because they know they are under the wrath of God. But in their regenerate state, they also respond to the sweetness and the beauty of the gospel. They are spiritually able to repent of their sins and call on the name of Christ for the remission of their sins. Someone who is born again understands that by the blood of Christ they are cleansed from all unrighteousness and are now a child of God. They have been adopted into the family of God. This is what it means to be born again. Therefore a believer looks to Jesus And they see how they have been regenerated, how they have been born again, how they have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. All because of what he endured on the cross. And that he was raised from death to life. And now he reigns over us. A believer, somebody who is born again, knows and understands these things. And because of our regeneration and faith in Christ, we have all that we need to fight against sin. As John states, whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now to quote Calvin on this, by regeneration the children of God are delivered from the bondage of sin, but not as they had already obtained full possession of freedom and no longer felt any annoyance from the flesh. In the regenerate man there is a spring of evil, which perpetually sending forth desires that allure and and stimulate him to sin. So even though we are free from the bondage of sin, it still rears its ugly head. And this is what John is speaking of here. He's not saying that we are sinless and that we no longer sin, but that we are no longer a slave to sin. For in Christ, as the born again believer, we possess all that we need to combat this sin. 
So our joy is knowing that on the day that we are freed from this wretched body, we will no longer have to battle against that sin that springs forth from us. That sin that tempts us and on occasion we succumb to. And when we do that, we sin against our Heavenly Father. And when we do, because we are born again, we will repent, we will turn, we will seek the Lord and his hand on us to help us fight against this sin that still springs forth in our hearts. But no longer are we under this sin, no longer is it chained to us, but we can fight against it by the grace of God. So as believers, dear Christians, we can look to Christ and remember that we are no longer slaves now. We are born, we are no longer slaves of sin, but we are born of God. And in Christ, we can rejoice. For in Christ, we have him who battles for us. We have the one who has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And we know that at at our death, this battle will be over and we will be with Christ our saviour. But I also want to remind us of how we should view our fight against the flesh. You see, we can unknowingly fall into a works righteousness mindset. We can read a verse like verse 18 and think, oh, if I am saved, then I must prove it. God has called me to fight sin to prove that I am saved. I must do A, B and C and not do D and F and that will prove my salvation. But be aware of this mistake. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So we find in Christ, we find all that we need to fight this sin that is in ourselves. But it's Christ who has defeated sin by his work on the cross. John then follows on now and reminds us that in Christ, our lives are protected against the works of Satan. So when John states um, states this, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself and that the wicked one toucheth him not. He's not speaking as those who advocate for free will suggest that we are only kept in the faith and not plucked away by, the, by Satan, um, partly because of God, but also partly of our own doing this is not the case we are kept in salvation completely by God we know this because we see Christ praying to the father that we are kept from evil and this is why the Lord equips us with the armour of God Satan can and does attack Christians it's an expectation a believer should not come to faith and, and expect an easy cushy life We should expect to be attacked on all fronts because we have been taken from this world of wickedness and adopted into the family of God. And God has a great enemy. He has Satan. But because of the grace of God, because of Christ, we are kept secure. And it's nothing to do with our own works. It's all because of what Christ has done. So remember these things. Remember these things that Paul, uh, that John speaks of now. Remember all that Christ has accomplished for us. We are free from the bondage of sin. And Satan cannot snatch us from the Lord. Secondly, John reminds us, um, the church, and, and for us today, of another certainty. 
he makes us aware that the world lies in wickedness. And we know that we are of God and the whole world lie in wickedness. We see this in verse 19. But this point will be short. Uh, as in these last few verses in this epistle, John spends his time focusing on Christians and on Christ, whilst just briefly, briefly mentioning the world and the world's God. So to the Christian's mind, there can be nothing more wonderful to hear and to be continually reminded that we are of God. And the reason for this is what we have just seen in verse um, 18. But the Christian, we have tasted the Lord and we know that he is good and we have trusted in him. We are the Lord's and abide in him and he in us and no longer are we enemies but a chosen priesthood. Adopted into the family of God through the work of Jesus Christ. We've been brought to life by the Holy Spirit. And then John reminds us of this truth. And then he moves us to the opposing side now, doesn't he? So we go from the Lord and looking at all his goodness to us. And we now look at a world that rejects him. A world that lies in wickedness. So John isn't speaking of the physical world in the sense of... of um, a physical nation, a physical thing. He's speaking of the spiritual. He's speaking of principalities and powers. The evil in this world that reveals itself in breaking the, the laws of our God. And all this is rooted in Satan himself. The world lies in wickedness because it belongs to Satan. The majority of this world doesn't even realise it's doing the work of Satan. I'm sure that even though the, the MHKs on this island love to murder infants and the vulnerable and, and they claim to do it out of a heart of care because they believe that they're, they're their own master. The truth is that they're in the pocket of Satan under his influence. We can even look wider from, from this island and we look around the world where there is wars, where there is murder, where there is killing, where there is every sin known to man going on. Almost continuously. We see it wherever we go. We see it on the news. We see it when we travel. We see it everywhere. And then to narrow it down completely, if we are honest with ourselves, we see it in our own hearts. We see it in our own actions. And we look to the world and we see all sorts of evil. We look back through time and again we see evil throughout time. Like the, the missionary William Carey, when he went to India and saw the Hindu Indians offering sacrifices, offering infants, children to be sacrificed. We see widows being burned um, with their deceased husbands, all in order to worship the Hindu gods. But it still goes on today. We still have, as I mentioned, um, sacrifices going on on this island. It might not look the same, but at the heart, right at the core, it is the same thing. So we dare not for a minute think that this island is safe and lovely and a pleasure to live in, for it lies in the grips of Satan. This island lives in rebellion and wickedness and goes against God in every way. If you are not a believer, if you are not a Christian, you partake in this work. You've rejected the one true God and you refuse to worship him. 
Therefore, what lies ahead is eternal destruction, right and just eternal destruction. But there is hope. There is hope. There is a hope that every, that there is a hope that every Christian has grasped and holds tightly to. And that truth is that salvation is found in Christ and Christ alone. And this is where we come to our third point, our third point now. In that Christ, Jesus, has been revealed to us. So Christian, what about Christ has been revealed to us? What is it that, of Christ that we know and understand? Well, John tells us these wonderful truths in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him, that is true, and we are in him, that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ, that is the true God and eternal life. Christians, we can know that Jesus has come and we do know this, for we have placed our faith in him. We know that God himself has taken on human flesh. We read it in his word. We are convinced by it in our minds. And we love this truth with all our heart because the Lord has worked in us. The wonderful truth has been revealed. And that gospel light, that precious gospel light has shone so brightly. And God's grace has quickened us to life that we understand what a wonderful gift this is and we hold to it tightly. We have grasped the gospel and know that we are in the one who is truth. For in Christ we find truth because he is truth. There is no lie that comes from his lips. There is no deceit in his words, no deception lay in him at all. So when we read his words and he states that in him is salvation and in him alone do we find peace with God. We can know and trust that this is true because he is truth. And Christian, not only that, not only when we come to faith, to faith and know Christ as our, our saviour, we're told that we are in him. We are united to him. We belong to him. We are held tightly by him. We are a part of Christ, just as the branch is a part of the vine. And then we come to a tricky section in this verse. Where it states, even in, G- even in his Jesus Christ. Lenski and other theologians believe that a more accurate, accurate translation would read, and we are in the real one, God, in his son, Jesus Christ. And again, this lines up with other verses such as uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19. But for now, I, I want us to focus back on these truths, to understand that we are in Christ, safe and secure. And this is the reason why we cannot be touched by Satan. He cannot draw us away from the Lord. We are not secure in Christ because of any worldly means, not by us keeping the commands, doing certain things, obeying certain laws. We are secure and safe in Christ because of his work on the cross. We are safe and secure because we are are saved by an almighty and powerful God. Christ's work is so powerful, it cannot be undone. To say we can lose our salvation is saying that Christ is not enough. This is a grotesque, this is a horrible thing to think. It's an arrogant thing to think that we can keep ourselves safe and secure. 
It robs Christ of the truth of what he has done. It takes away that truth and turns it, attempts to turn it into a lie. Finally, in verse 20, John reminds the Christian what has been revealed to them about Christ. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Just as the world lies in wickedness and is set to destruction and eternal death, the Christian has found eternal life. Now let me lay this this eternal life out for you now. So we know that in Christ we have this eternal life. We know that eternal life is a gift of God's grace. We see this in Romans 6.23. We found that eternal life is only found in Jesus. We read this not that long ago in, in, uh, in this book in chapter 5 verse 11. Eternal life is only received by believing in Christ. And it is the only option for a hungry and thirsty soul. So Christian, remind yourselves of these truths. Remind yourself that eternal life is one with Christ, with Jesus, our Saviour. What more wonderful place could there be? If our eyes are on eternal life and are thinking that there's worldly things there, maybe we haven't grasped these truths fully. For heaven is heaven because Jesus is there. Eternal life is only wonderful because it is with Christ. And it is this truth that that lifts a weary soul. It brings strength to us when we are tired and we are strained by this world. It strengthens us when we're being persecuted and we are suffering greatly. And it's also what keeps us away from what John, John warns us of now in this final verse. Verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. John finishes his letter with this command. First, we just need to look at what idolatry is. And then we can understand what he's commanded here. Idolatry is when we love anything more than we love God. Whatever we love more has become an idol to us. Matthew 10, 37 to 39. This could be even something that seems okay. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. It's anything that we put before the Lord. It is anything that we use in order to think we can worship God through that thing. So we can set almost anything up as idols. We can set our own family up as idols. We can set our hobbies, our desires, our food. We can put anything and make it an idol, believing that when we love that thing more than we love the Lord. So idolatry doesn't have to be connected to any other religion or practice of faith. In its purest form, it's taking the place of God in our lives. So then why does John warn the Christian of this? Well, remember that little spring of sin that we spoke of earlier. This can lead us to this thing. It can take our mind off the Lord. And every Christian is susceptible to this. Don't think that we can escape it. We have to be aware of that little spring of sin that can well up in us. We should not fall into this trap. And if we're honest with ourselves... There are times when we value things more than the Lord. When we slip, 
when we desire things more than doing the things that we should do for God. God has commanded us not to have any other gods and not to have idols. And John reminds us of this too here. So what keeps us from this? How do we do this? Well, we look back to what we have just read. We look back to the cross. We look back to Christ. That is our motivation, the cross. Jesus is the one that will take us from idolatry. It's clinging to him. It's reminding reminding ourselves of the truth of what we have just read here. That we know that the, the Son of God has come and have given us an understanding. That we may know him, that is true. And we are in him, that is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ. But I just want to, again, read another passage to you now. And remind ourselves of the wonderful Saviour we have. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commandeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. So it is only in Christ that we find salvation. It is only in Christ that we can fight against the sin in us. It, only, it is only in Christ that we are kept from idols. So Christians, as John has shown us here, we find all that we need for this life, for our faith. In our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him, that is true. And we are in him, that is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Amen. Amen.